Disclaimer, the hosts of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. Hey, welcome to episode 94 of Above Ground Podcast above ground podcast because you can't serve below how you doing out there i hope you're all well safe and above this week uh we got a really good one uh we are talking to a first responder a mental health advocate a staunch vocal stigma crusher himself uh rob lethan uh, from Canada, man, he's a firefighter, first responder, and wow, visceral artist. He uh, takes takes like pictures and and he creates these these very this very visceral artwork about PTSD and the and the dangers of it for first responders. And and he's a firefighter, and wow, what a story he's got! It was a great conversation. So we're gonna have that up in a short time here but first i wanted to talk to you it's almost t-shirt time it's almost t-shirt weather and uh, it's even getting to be t-shirt weather here in the great northeast and you know what i'm talking about you got to get yourself a above ground podcast t-shirt above ground podcast be well be safe be above says on the back thanks to close knit company that's right close knit company our friends dan and natalie and down in florida man you know gotta support um don't forget closeknitco.com go to Clabex and uh, check out a t-shirt or hoodie uh, so when you go to the beach this year you'll be all sporting and uh it's uh it's great being able to team up with them so please support and uh don't forget everything man thank you so much for listening and uh you can check us you know out on on the socials at above ground podcast on Instagram and Facebook and above ground pod on Twitter. Oh yeah. And above ground podcast on Tumblr. If anybody uses Tumblr, uh, I don't really keep up with our Tumblr except for just episodes, but I should probably figure out if anybody even uses it out there. Um, but if you do, you know, check us out. Uh, also we're working on some stuff here behind the scenes in the five one eight. So we might have some cool news pretty soon. Uh, we're working on some stuff here so so if you dig what you're hearing uh you know you know how to do it crush us there out there in the follow lands or whatever but uh thanks again man so it's time for uncomfortably numb with our guest rob lethan <laughs> Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast. Because you can't serve below. You know who that is. You down with TPP. Come on, Will. That's all you got for me? Yeah, dude. That's all I got this morning. 
<laughs> it's the deep voice morning uh, <laughs> the deep voice morning radio dj voice today yeah you know me yeah you know me so uh dude we're on zoom so that can only mean one thing another, another inter- interview another, you got it man another interview and i'm super happy that tim landed this one because uh this should be awesome uh this afternoon or this morning oh my god i don't even know where i am um we're gonna be talking to rod rob letham from canada uh rob is a firefighter mental health advocate speaker writer and great artist man it's incredible stuff so rob thank you very much for joining us this morning man it's a pleasure to have you thanks for having me as well so where do we begin man let's let's find out what your let's find out what your story was all about to get you to the point that you are man uh let me just let me just let me just cut in for one second. I just uh, um, w- one of the one of the I guess one of the variables in, in reaching out to Rob was for me was, um, you know, that he is outspoken and trying to trying to, you know, do the same thing uh, as we are, which is, you know, stomp out the stigmas of mental illness. And, um, you know, he, he does probably a lot more good things than I see, but just the, the things that I see, he, uh, you know, he, uh, he's in line with what we're doing. And I just, I, uh, I find it great that, you know, we can find people like him that will speak up and speak out and, um, you know, do their part, I guess. Yeah. You know what, Tim, um, I've said on my website, it's sort of like my tagline is, I firmly believe that silence does nothing but strengthen stigma. So, you know what, if, if that's what I believe it, it sort of motivates me to not be silent. So yeah, I'm right. pretty open about my, my battles, my journey, the uh, good points, the bad points, the, the, the dark times I'm, I'm open about it because you know what, the more we talk about it openly and publicly, the more, we, the more we normalize the conversation around mental health and, and first responder suicide. And, and it, it should be no different than how we talk about our favorite sports team or what we had for dinner last night or the weather. And exactly. That, that's where I'd like to, that's where I'm trying to help us get to. I like it. Wow. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. We're on the same page with you. Um, so tell us how you got involved in first response part of side of things, as opposed okay. to as opposed to something else. There um, had to be something that drew you to that, I'm sure. Um, if you ask all the mental health professionals, yeah, it was from my traumatized childhood. Seeing as all first responders seem to have a bit of a history. Um, yeah, you know, what? <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> yeah. uh, Twenty eight years ago. I, uh, I was um, working in the IT field for a major uh, national retailer. And um, when my wife and I moved out to where we live, I saw an ad in the local paper for volunteer firefighters. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. So I applied, uh, went through the interview process, went through the, the physical testing, and I got accepted. So being a volunteer firefighter in my local community, um, it was good. I mean, it gave me a taste of what the full-time career would be like. And, and I, I knew I wanted to 
help out my community, applied to the uh, police service, almost got hired in the police service, but didn't. <laughs> and uh, along came the fire service. So I said I was a volunteer with uh, in my local community, um, started applying to the surrounding fire departments for a full-time job. And I got hired by the uh, New Market Fire Department, which is a community about 30 minutes north of Toronto. And um, the way New Market Fire started, you always started in dispatch. So at the time, uh, New Market Fire was also dispatching nine surrounding departments from a uh, one-person dispatch center. So I, my first couple of years was in uh, dispatch. And uh, is that is that not not to interrupt you, but is that rare the to to do nine different? That seems uh, like a lot. <laughs> no, seems a lot. No, it, it's it's not rare. If you look at um, you you look at uh, not every department is large enough to have their own dispatch abilities. Okay. So they generally will purchase those services from a department that does. Gotcha. So at the okay. time, like you said, we were dispatching what one, sorry, one, two, three, four, six, nine different stations, one, two, three, four, five different departments. Right. So the um, that's where where you know what my first problematic incident occurred and uh you know what i can say about that is there are just some things that uh, you can never unhear <laughs> um so i started out in dispatch uh eventually got out on the floor um got assigned to a crew uh i was on the crew that uh was the first crew in our set my department's second station um was a firefighter for a while became an acting captain um, a neighboring department uh, just south of us that we used to dispatch, uh, the Aurora Fire Department, they found themselves without a fire chief and without a deputy fire chief. And they eventually, we eventually, Newmarket and Aurora Fire Departments eventually amalgamated and created Central York Fire Services. Uh, today, that's grown to a department of 160, thereabouts, wow. Uh, wow. seven trucks. We're building our fifth station. Um, so became a, with being an acting captain in Central York, I eventually got promoted to captain. And um, being somewhat career driven, that wasn't really enough for me. And I, <laughs> when I was eligible, I, I wrote to become an acting platoon chief. And I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, eventually became an acting platoon chief. That was about seven years ago. I've been an acting platoon chief ever since. So wow. that's uh, 28 years of service. Wow. So you're still in the profession then? Uh, I've been off work for the last two years, since April of 2019 with the, you know, dealing with an occupational stress injury. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still employed, <laughs> um, but I haven't been at work for, like I said, this April will be two years now. Okay. And how are you doing? You know what? Uh, like I say to people, uh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. But I'm sure as hell glad I'm not where I was because where I was was not a good place. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I have, uh, I have good days and bad days. Fortunately for me, the, the good days definitely outnumber the bad days. 
that's great. But you know what? There's still uh, there's still some problematic calls that I'm dealing with in therapy. Um, like I'm sure you guys know that PTSD isn't just about the bad calls. <laughs> right, right. PTSD changes you as a person, and it's about sort of fixing the person as well as dealing with those bad memories. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still in therapy. I've got a, an amazing therapist. I tell people she's the uh, she's the next to my wife and my daughter. She's the third most important woman in my life right now. That's awesome. So the uh, and and it really is. She really is right. The uh, um, so yeah. I mean, weekly therapy still. Um, I'm definitely making progress. Nice. Have you have you uh, tried any of the MDR and was it MD EMDR? Yes. Absolutely. It's a godsend. <laughs> okay. For me at cool. least. Um, just to give you an example of, of how I describe it to people, it doesn't make the memories go away, but it takes the distress out of those memories. So that one problematic call I mentioned earlier about uh, when I was in dispatch, that there are things you, you, you can never unhear. Before I went through therapy, I couldn't talk about that call at all without completely turning into a puddle of tears on the floor. Like I, I couldn't talk about it. And now I can talk about it. I mean, the memories are still there. The memories, you know, if, if I choose to, and here's the good thing. If I choose to bring up the memory <laughs> as opposed to it coming to visit me, if I right. choose to bring up the memory, it, it's as if I just heard it happen, but wow. there's no distress. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that what is because of EMDR. Wow. Excellent. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, is... I, I, I call it like the eighth wonder of the world, at least in the therapy world. Good. Wow. So I got I to gotta ask, man, were you always creative or did you find creative resources later on? Um, yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, 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 when I was a teenager, I used to write poetry, so there was a little bit of, little bit of creativity there. Um, you know what? As my kids were going through sports, uh, as they were growing up, I used to do sports photography, so there was a little bit of creativity there. Um, I've written a few um, during my time as the union president uh, for my association. I wrote a few articles that were published in some firefighter magazines. So the writing was always still there. Um, what really happened was, I guess, um, as part of my therapy, you know, a lot of people journal. I tried journaling. It really didn't work for me because it, it tended to be me just documenting what I did in the day as opposed to what the true intent of journaling was. So... Journaling really didn't work, but writing did. And I, I've written a whole bunch of things have been published on different mental health websites and platforms. Uh, um, part of uh, my therapy as well was coloring. You know, a lot, a lot of people who go through, you know, PTSD and depression th or therapy for those for, they'll do coloring because coloring yeah. activates a certain part of the brain. I, I like tried color. coloring. I had those adult coloring books. Uh, you know what? part of my diagnosis in addition to the severe PTSD and severe depression was like I had OCD tendencies, <laughs> not enough to be diagnosed clinically, but 
that were there. <laughs> and it would absolutely drive me nuts coloring outside the lines. Right? <laughs> so it, the coloring didn't work. Now, having said that, I know my way around computers. I know my way around graphic design software. And, and one of the first pieces of art I did right at the very beginning of my journey was something I called Firefighter Jenga which is a Jenga game. And, 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 and I, I made that piece of art to try to illustrate what I felt my life felt like. Like it, it really did. My life in the early days felt like a Jenga game. And for your listeners, you know, those Jenga, the Jenga game is those, the game of those wooden blocks that you stack up and you pull one out and you put it on top mm -hmm. and you wait yeah. for the whole thing to come crumbling down. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I, we exactly own one. The way, yeah, that's exactly the way my life felt at the beginning. And, and I actually use that analogy when I talk with the intake person where, where I go for therapy. And, and uh, you know what? And I was able to put what I was feeling into that piece of artwork. And it's, and it's sort of just evolved from there. Um, I knew. So, so doing, of, that, that doing that art and stuff is actually therapeutic for you. Ab absolutely. It, it, it's, it's actually got two two purposes to it um if you look at my artwork like well like you guys I, I i feel it's important to to educate people on you know, right um i found early on that even in my own department there's a lot of people who should have known about ptsd and the symptoms who know nothing about it right so education is part of it so if you look at my artwork you know a good portion of my artwork deals with education or, or trying to to come up with a way of graphically getting across something about an aspect of PTSD. So things like, you know, flashbacks or, or like one of the latest ones that did the frog in the pot. Yeah, I mean, that one is, is, is a good analogy with PTSD where it sort of tends to accumulate so slowly that you're not even aware of it until you're, you're overwhelmed with it. And that's sort of like the, the frog in the pot analogy where you put a frog in a pot, you turn the water on and it slowly boils to death and it doesn't know <laughs> any different because as it, the change is so slow, it becomes, it's normal. And it doesn't know that it's not normal. So, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my artwork is, is meant to educate. There's one, two, three, there's four or five pieces of that I've done that, Yes, they educate, but they sort of deal specifically with my problematic incidents, right? So, for example, the the I did one piece called "It's Not Always What You See," and it's a picture of a a, a uniformed member in front of a dispatch console, with sort of like a above it of flames and a silhouette of a person in the flames and the reaper and things like that, and and that one. That one I did as, as it's educational, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of first responders still think, well, what do you mean? You weren't there. How can you be bothered by the call? And yet people in dispatching communications answering 911, they're, they're, they suffer from PTSD at the same rates as firefighters and police officers and corrections officers and paramedics. So. I did that to educate, but it also was therapeutic for me because that 
actually dealt with one of my problematic calls as well. So yeah, my artwork is, is, is designed to educate, but also help me as well. That's great. Yeah. It's very powerful, man. Very powerful. Um, uh, I, had a, I had a visceral reaction to it when I saw it and I was like, wow, this is like really deep stuff, man. You, really you know what? That, that's what it's, uh, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to evoke a, uh, an emotional reaction to to get people thinking. I and love it. You, you know what? My artwork isn't for everybody. It deals with a lot of a lot of uh, dark dark topics. Sure. Right. But uh, you know what? It, it's there. Was, there was one of my pieces called Face to Face that I did, and it's a firefighter dancing with the Grim Reaper. And, and it's about, you know, if this is your dance partner, make sure you lead. And, and, and like that, it. that one was, badass. was a lot of people like that one. And it was going to be showcased in, in an online art gallery. And, and the board of directors thought it was just <laughs> triggering. It may mm -hmm. be. And they asked if, you know, is there any chance you can maybe tweak it? And I said, no, you know, Good unfortunately you. dealing with PTSD and depression, it, it's a dark thing. I mean, when suicide is so prevalent, you can't tiptoe around it. You got to approach it head on and, and you deal with it. Good for you. So, Good for so you. The, I think I'm actually working on a, I'm working on another art piece right now that, that will be, that will probably cause some visceral emotional reactions to some people it, it's <laughs> it deals specifically with suicide first responder suicide and i'll give you a hint <laughs> it's got a reaper in it it's got an angel beside an open pill bottle the the pills are all lined up in the words help me right and oh, wow. there's in the background there's like i think i've got seven different people all you know, with the finger in front of her mouth saying, shush, we don't talk about that. And, and basically it says, you know what, if, if you look at this image, uh, you know, causes you to be uh, an uncomfortableness, then maybe you're part of the problem. And, you know, if it causes an uncomfortable silence, maybe you're part of the problem. Or if, if looking at that image causes you to feel anger and disgust with me, the artist, for doing such a piece, then you are part of the problem. Right. It, it, it's we, we have to normalize the conversation around mental health. We have to normalize the conversation around first responder suicide. And only by doing that will we make a difference. And maybe doing that will help us save one life. That's Absolutely. What it's about. That's what it's about. Yep. Yep. So that, I, that's I, that's the next art piece I'm working on. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. I think. I think you make an excellent point. And um, again, that's, you know, I think what we try to do is, is part of, part of that story, part of that subject matter is dark. Yep. So, you know what I mean? Let's talk about it, you know, and yep. maybe we can make it less dark. You know, one of the things, you know, we've, we've always been pretty open and, and real and raw. Yep. And um, you know, what I noticed, this is, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but what I noticed recently is, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes the environment and the culture we live in can, 
obviously have a, a bigger effect on us than we know. And, and we, and Will and I were just uh, one episode we were talking and suicide came up and he said, you know, it's not an option until it's an option. And I had to stop and go, you are a hundred percent right. You're right. And some people don't want to hear that. And, yep. you know, but it's like, he nailed it. That was, that's yep. like, that really stuck with me. And I'm like, he's yeah, he's a hundred percent right. Uh, I mean, the, for me, the, 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 in Ontario here in Canada, we, we've had a, a rash of police officer suicides hmm. a, and you hear it all the time. Like you never would have expected it. And, and they didn't reach out. Well, yeah, you know what? There's a reason why people don't reach out. First responders, at least don't reach out. And a lot of it's because of the stigma. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I was part of that stigma. Like I, I was, I was impacted by that stigma when it came to my dark times, right? When I was diagnosed with PTSD and depression, I thought it took a lot of energy out of me trying to keep everything on the down low and quiet. And I thought, screw it. I'm putting it all out there. Yeah. Because it I makes it worse. Yeah. But I didn't put it all out there. <laughs> yeah. I was open and honest mm -hmm. and public about, you know, my battles with PTSD and depression and anxiety and OCD, but I wasn't open and public about just how, how dark I, it was for me. And like I said, um, you know, June 2nd of 2019 was, was the day I, I made my decision about suicide. But the thing is, I didn't talk. I didn't talk to anybody about that. I didn't, reach out i didn't even tell my wife or my therapist about my decision until four months later and the reason why was because of stigma i mean stigma around mental health is is, is it's out there and we're, we're slowly chipping away at it but the stigma around suicide is 10 times worse and and, and the the one thing or one of the things that actually helped me step back from that point of no return was I thought a lot about about a friend and co-worker and a platoon mate who died by suicide and I remember his, his funeral was absolutely incredible funeral well attended you know but there was something palpable that you could feel in the air at the funeral that nobody wanted to really talk about Everybody knew what happened, but nobody wanted to talk about it. That's stigma, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I've been a victim of it as well, right? In your in your opinion, like how I know it's this is convoluted, but how in your opinion, how can we attempt to decrease that? It's even especially with amongst the first responders, police, fire, you know. We need to get, first of all, we need to educate. There's a, there's a, a lot of education still needed. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. But I, I think the more people we can get, the more first responders we can get to be open and public about their battles with mental health, the better it is at chipping away at that stigma, the, the, the better, how do I explain it? I talk about talking publicly to to normalize you know 
conversations around suicide. It's the same with mental health. I mean, it, it, I would love to see, you know, sitting around the, 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 the table in the lounge at the station, having dinner that, with the crew and shooting the shit. And I would love for it to be common for mental health to be part of that discussion. The, the other challenge we need to have is that also needs to come from the top. And there are a lot of leaders of first responder organizations who maybe don't necessarily show the leadership that they should when it comes to mental health. I mean, when you look at things like sanctuary trauma being fairly common in first responder organizations, um, you know what, there's, there's changes going on, absolutely changes for the better that we're talking more about mental health, but we're nowhere near where we need to be. I mean, for example, my, my department, the last recruit class that we did was the first recruit class that they actually spent a day learning about mindfulness meditation, which is amazing. It is. The, uh, the challenge that the problem I see though, is that, that a lot of organizations and my own department is guilty of this is they focus so much on getting the new people coming in that they forget about the old people who've been around for 20 years who started in the suck it up buttercup culture. Uh, I mean, in my own department, the, the four of us that were off at the same time with PTSD, all four of us had over 20, 24 years of experience. Wow. Forgotten about it. You can't right? replace that experience either though. In a, in a, like nope. you're, you've got so much experience that it's impossible to replace that. Even in my own department, the, 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 the leadership, the chief, the deputy chiefs, they kept saying to the platoon chiefs and the after platoon chiefs, you need to look after the crews below you that are on your platoon. You need to look after the captains. You need to look after the firefighters. But nobody was looking upwards, right? Like who, who was looking after the PCs, the platoon chiefs, and the after platoon chiefs? Right. But unfortunately, two of the four of us that were off at the same time were at the platoon chiefs. Like, like I get it. We want to we want to get the new people that when they're coming in to the to the service, but you can't forget about everybody else that's already there. Great. Do you, do you think that maybe like say if if you and maybe like one or two other guys with your experience and and you know not only experience within the service but experience life experiences PTSD you know, the mental health experiences um, got together maybe and like tried to do like training, you know what I mean? Like a once a month type thing. And do you think that would help any? Um, yes, yes and no. <laughs> it, it, yes, it's, it's a great idea. Um, it's again, it, it's anything that we can do towards educating others on mental health is better than nothing. It also depends on the culture that's that's being manifested in the leadership as well. Uh, and, and I'll be I'll be totally honest with this one. I've been off 
two years now. I mean, my department is not that big. 160, 100, I think we're just under 160 people. It, we're, we're small enough that everybody knows everybody by name, right? I know the fire chief knows me. We've had a lot of discussions, <laughs> a lot of debates. And, and like I said, I've been off, it'll be two years in April. I, I've yet to hear from them. And yet I'd been off nine months. One of our firefighters got hurt at a fire, went to the hospital. And that very same day, all four of our senior officers visited that firefighter in the hospital that very same day. So what message does that send out to people who are looking? Physical injuries are more important than mental injuries. And, and the funny thing is, in my department, in the, the two years prior to, to that firefighter being injured, we only had only ever had two, uh, two firefighters, total of two firefighters get sent to the hospital for injuries at calls. But in that same period of time, we had four people off battling PTSD and we had one suicide, almost two. So where is the problem? I mean, as, as a fire service, we do really, really well looking after our safety, our physical safety. We really do. We, we've got my department. We've got state-of-the-art breathing apparatus. We've got state-of-the-art bunker gear. Our equipment is state-of-the-art. I mean, we, we have policies and procedures that, out the yin-yang that are all about safety, physical safety. We do a really good job of that, but we don't do a good job looking after the mental health side of things. And that's partly because of leadership, right? The, 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 the example I like to tell people is when I was first, when I first started therapy in February of 2019, I was still on the trucks. Right. For a couple months, I was still at work and I decided as part of being public, I told my crew, I said, hey, guys, I'm in therapy for what's likely PTSD and depression, well, PTSD. And, and the one guy on my crew who is on our peer support team, I remember his words exactly to me. His exact words were, oh, yeah, we noticed a difference in you almost two years ago but we just chalked it up to you being the grumpy old guy near the end of your career. And right then and there, that said to me, holy crap, he's on our peer support team. The expectation is you at least have an idea. Right. And that's what made me realize, you know what? There's a lot more education that needs to be done. Wow. Right? Here, Scary. Here, here, here's, another, here's another really good one. One of the other things I do now is peer support. Um, and I did that because my experience with my own department's peer support team was, was a bit of a joke. The, uh, the, the person who heads our peer support team, he reached out to me a, you know, a couple, uh, within the first couple of weeks of me being off work. Didn't have, hadn't heard anything from him. Reaches out to me in June of 2019, but not to see how I'm doing, but to ask me if I could reach out to somebody else who'd been off for a while. Jeez. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> Reaches out to me again in October 
and I had an idea, I had a, a really good idea why he decided to reach out to me in October. And I came out and I asked him, I said, why are you reaching out to me now? Like, I don't understand. Like, like you've been pretty quiet. You haven't reached out to me. You're reaching out to me now. Like, why? And his exact words to me were, sorry to have bothered you. You won't hear from me again. Click. And he hung up on me. It's like, okay, this is a guy who's heading our department's peer support team. Yeah, maybe that's not the way peer support should be done. Yeah, I've never heard of that uh, tact before. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never heard of just giving up on your, you know. No, and, and, and you know what? It, it's what motivated me to get into peer support. And, and now I do, I'm a, a facilitator for an organization called Wings of Change. Up here in, in it's, a, it's, a, it's a peer support uh, group. It's online, right? It's been online right now since the pandemic. Uh, we have an organization up here in Ontario called Boots on the Ground. It's a it's a one eight hundred number that uh, first responders can call for peer support twenty four seven three sixty five. And awesome. I'm, a, I'm a volunteer peer support person for them now. So because it's about you know doing peer support right. It's about helping other first responders. It's about using my experiences to maybe help others. And like, like I, I tell people, it's also therapeutic for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that, that, how do I say it? To be a good peer support person, you need to be very empathetic and compassionate and show you know, compassionate towards people. They're all the things that seem to go by the wayside when you end up dealing with PTSD. So if I can, if I can learn to be empathetic and compassionate towards others, holy crap, I can learn to do that towards myself and show myself self-compassion, right? And self-empathy. And, and, and that's, that's not a strong point for a lot of first responders dealing with PTSD. Will, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, self, self love. Here we go again. <laughs> that's 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 Will right there in a nutshell. Yeah, it is. Man. Yeah, man. You like hit all those things right there, yeah. and they were all. You like... know what? That's the reality of it. I mean, I mean, I remember one of the one of the the homework assignments my therapist had me do early on was to do one of those adult coloring books. I do a, a page in it, and purposely go outside the lines. And then write down all my thoughts as I'm doing it. And, you know, the, the inner dialogue. <laughs> and when I was done and, and, and I'm reading through it, it's like I couldn't believe the things that I was saying about myself to myself. That's what PTSD does to you, right? It, it changes your view of you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was saying things to myself that nobody should have said to them. That's part of that's part of PTSD as well, right? It, it's that's why I try to get across to people. It's not. It's more than just dealing with the bad memories. It's about fixing the person who's been changed as well. Well, it's about the self hatred that you didn't realize you had as much of until you're like, oh, yeah. until you're yep. like staring at it in the mirror and it's laughing at you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I'm getting better at it. I'm. I'm still. I. I can. I can tell when I'm a little off because I tend to use the word fuck a little bit more often and usually it's towards myself like you fucking idiot what were you thinking and things like 
So yeah, you know what? It, it's <laughs> it's all part of the journey. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So when you started writing, man, so it, was it easier for you to just write down? Like, did you come up with like story ideas for your pieces? Is that um, what sort of prompted the like? Because you said journaling didn't work for you, and I and I can understand that because sometimes it becomes, you know, the to do list or it becomes the yep. wish the wish list or the woulda coulda shoulda list, whatever it is sometimes. So I was just wondering, like, when you came up with ideas for the stories, was that like part of the artistic journey? Are you like reading one of these art, like the the um, the artist way? Um, is a big one here in in the states. You know what, like I said, program I, I, about self healing through writing and yeah. And stuff. I, I I started journaling, uh, like I said, my therapist got me to start journaling. It it didn't work. I I. You know, I'm, I'm a first responder. I've been a captain and an active platoon chief. It's about writing reports. So when I journal it, it turned into be more about just documenting what I did for the day as opposed to writing down about thoughts and feelings and emotions and things like that. So the journaling didn't quite work, but I knew I wanted to educate people. And, and I wrote about aspects of of my own journey that sort of gave me the inspiration to write about certain things so like for example what one of the 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 articles i wrote that was published on a platform up here called sick not weak um was a an article i wrote called the hollow words i live by and that was that was inspired by the fact that i remember talking to my wife one day and part of the way PTSD plays out with me right now is that I have a hard time labeling my, my emotions and have a hard time feeling, feeling emotions. I'm, I'm fairly emotionally numb. Um, so I, I, I don't feel a positive emotions much at all. And I got thinking, how many times do we use words, positive emotion words in our everyday speech that are meaningless? You know, like how often do, you know, like, do I say, hey, I'm happy to meet you when I meet somebody new, but I'm not really happy. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, you'll say things like, you know, I really enjoyed that meal that, that you cooked for me. Thanks, but I don't really feel joy. They're hollow words that we use as filler words because, and you say them because they're expected to be said. You know, they seem to be the appropriate word to say in that sentence. So there's there's an example of something that 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 so inspired me to write an article, and that's what I did. I ended up writing an article called "Hollow Words That I Live By," right? Things like uh, I wrote uh, uh, I wrote uh, uh, an article, uh, a couple of articles. One was actually published in a book, an anthology that was put together called "The Lemonade Stand," and they uh, they took twenty stories from first responders and military about about their battles with or not necessarily about mental health they're all they're all related to mental health but it was about their battles and how they took something that was really bad you know like took lemons and made lemonade out of it and and my story was one of them so i wrote for that you know i, I wrote a, an article that was published in another book called uh, uh not cancelled and that one really wasn't about mental health 
it was my first real attempt at writing a non-mental health related story that sort of had mental health stuff in it. And it was about, uh, the, the book was, uh, had 40 different short stories written by authors about things that weren't canceled because of the pandemic. So, so I wrote an article, you know, a, a short story about that. That was published. You know, I, I've, I've written uh, some story or some articles on things like uh, 10 things I wish people knew about PTSD. Like, like throughout my journey, I've, I've learned, you, you learn things, right? Uh, and, and there's things that, you know, there's 10 things that I've learned, you know, so far. And I wrote an article about the things that I've learned. I wrote an article about... Uh, about the 10 things that I wish people knew about PTSD, you know, that it's, you know, that it's, it's usually not like it's portrayed in the movies, right? It, it's right. It, it's, it's, you know, it's not Rob, like I'm a walking time bomb ready to go off. You know, it's Rob. Right? So, <clears throat> hey Rob, are these things on, are these things on your website that people yep. can go to and, and read? Yeah. The, the, uh, the only ones that aren't on my website are the two that were published in books. And, and you know what, I, I wrote, you can see it, the first paragraph, but you know what, uh, I didn't think it was right to, to take the story that was written to be published in two books and actually put it up on my website for everybody to read, you know, like, you want the people to go, go buy the books. Sure. Right? But yeah, everything, everything that I've written is on my website. Uh, with links to you know you can look at the, my writings uh my artworks on my website right uh so yeah that's how i sort of got into the writing it sort of evolved from journaling to using it as another way of educating uh, and uh you know just getting points across about ptsd and depression that people don't really understand. That's great. So, that's, I mean, I think that's how it, how it, uh, how we, ha how we have to do it, you know? Yeah. I think education is the big key element, you know, for sure. Uh, uh, absolutely. Like I said, there, there's, I mean, we need to, when, when you hear first responders make comments to people in dispatch about how could that call bother you? You weren't even there. It's like that there says to me, they need to be educated. They need to be educated on how PTSD affects people, what trauma is, how trauma impacts people, you know, what it means to be overwhelmed. It's not just what yeah. you see. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. For sure. So, yeah. So like I said, I use the artwork and the writing as a, as a means of educating, but it's also therapeutic for me. I mean, when, when, you're focused on doing a piece of artwork. It's kind of nice. I, I put the ear pods in and start playing some music, usually Pink Floyd. <laughs> and, and, and it just, it, it helps keep you grounded in the here and now it helps keep you. It, it, it's, I like to think of it as distracted focus. You're so focused on the thing that you're doing that it helps distract your mind from you know, the monkey brain from ruminating about things. And so it's a nice way of focusing your attention instead of having being wild <laughs> all over in your head. Same with the writing, right? It, it, it's, it's, it helps you 
helps me at least focus. Right. So yeah, that, that like, so again, it, it's used to educate and therapeutic uh, has therapeutic value for me as well. All right. Honest. I got to ask you right now, cause I'm, I'm staring, staring at the two pictures behind you. Oh, is that a picture of, is that like a Zen circle? Yes. Okay. And is that like something about meditation on the other side of the wall? Yep. Okay. Let that, it's a, it actually says, let that shit go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I meditate. Uh, this was an area I set up in, in my bedroom. That's sort of a meditation corner. Uh, at the beginning, you know, in the beginning, I, I scheduled out meditation every day. Um, now it's more as needed, like there, and it's more on the go, sort of. You know, I'll, I'll be sitting down by the lake, for example. I'll go for a walk and sit down at the lake, and I'll be looking out at the lake, and it's like, okay, you know, I'm here. I'm gonna meditate for five, 10, 15 minutes, and. So now it's sort of, it's not as, as orchestrated or as scheduled out. But yeah, I, I think it looks kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. Did you paint that circle? Is that your no, circle? No, no, no. That's a, something I found online and printed off just to be okay. able to post something there. <laughs> okay. And there's, there's nice plants above, like fake leaves and all that. It just <laughs> creates a nice environment. <laughs> I have a little altar downstairs off our living room that has become a mess lately. Yeah, it's got a Buddha. It's got a little Jesus yep. inside the Buddha, broken Buddha's head up top. Yeah, it's got a bunch of stuff on it, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, no, yeah. it's great that you carved out a spot. Did yeah. you find? Did you find that meditation has been helpful? Is that why you keep going back to it, or do you need something more moving? Do you do you practice martial art or anything like that? No, you know what? No, I don't do martial arts. I. I I, I, you know what, I'm going to say, yeah, absolutely. That the meditation, meditation helps. I mean, it, it, one, it, it helps you focus on your breathing. At least for me, it helps you focus on your breathing and breathing. I mean, we all know breathing is so important in, in anxiety and dealing with anxiety and recovering from flashbacks and, and recovering from dissociation and, so breathing is really important and meditation helps you learn to breathe. Uh, but it helps for me, I find meditation helps, I guess in the, in the meditation world, when, when they call it your monkey mind or your monkey brain, you know, your, your thoughts are just all over the place and it's chaotic. And, you know, it, it's, it's almost like you've got that hamster wheel with the hamster running in your, inside your head. And meditation is a nice break from that. So that's how it's, it's helped me. In addition to, to I guess, the, the physical benefits of it. I mean, there, there's tons of studies that show that, that meditation helps reestablish those neural pathways in the brain. And, and, and your listeners may not know this, but, you know, trauma physically changes your brain, right? It increases the volumes in the amygdala, oh, which is part of the brain response for fight or flight and your emotions. Hmm. You know, decreased volumes in your hippocampus, which is responsible mm -hmm. for memory. You yeah. know, decreased volumes in your prefrontal cortex, which is 
that part of the brain that's responsible for rational thought and the higher level, you know, thinking. Yeah. And it rewires the whole power amp, man. Yep. Yep. So, so meditation helps to rebuild those neural pathways. So it, it yeah, I, I found it's, it's helped. Definitely. Definitely. It's got a bunch of positive things. Like you yep. said, the, uh, now, now, as for martial arts, not, I don't, I don't do martial arts. The, the one thing I do do a lot is, you know, I get out in nature, I hike, uh, backpack, canoe. Uh, I like, like riding my bike. I got a mountain bike back in 2019. And I mean, I'm even riding it in the winter here, <laughs> which is yeah. when, I, when some, I can. So you got some big knobby tires on there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I didn't go for the big, balloon tires i just kept my standard mountain bike because i figure in, in the winter where, where i ride there, there's bike paths and fortunately my community they plow them in the winter and they <laughs> oh, salt them cool. so the bike oh, paths cool. tend to be pretty clear so awesome. yeah I, I don't need the big big knobby balloon tires and the right i just took my standard mountain bike and yeah i mean i I've, i think in january i did Hundred total of 160 kilometers on 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 the bike. Wow! wow. Right? And, and, yeah, you know what? I just plug away at it, and so that's part of my journey as well. And right, the, I, I had a friend ask me a while ago, "What do I think about when I go for my bike rides?" Because a lot of sometimes, especially in the summer, I'll do at least one long bike ride a week. And when I say long, I'm talking like 50 to 60 kilometers. Okay. Which is, I'm not sure what that is in miles, but uh, yeah, somebody asked me, what do you think about it? And and I I remember going for one bike ride, actually thinking about it. And it's like, I really don't think about much. It's pretty, other than, you know, the standard, you're looking for idiot car drivers, not watching out for you. And, and you know what, that I always equate that stuff because I ride motorcycles. So I always, I always equate that. It's like meditation because you're you're actually focusing on what you're doing. You're grounded in the moment. Yep. So yeah, I said to my friend, I said, it's very mindful for me. It's like mindful meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And people don't get that. They, Unfortunately, you know, I don't know if it's our culture and society that pushes like, you know, you need to go out and buy these yoga pants and sit in a certain position and yeah, like, no. that's all great, but you don't need to do that. And I think no. people, again, are, are mis- misinterpreting what it is. Yeah. Mindfulness, it, oh, it sounds kind of cliche. Mindfulness is a mindset. It's not a physical position. It's not a, right. It, it's yeah, you, it's can, you to- can eat your dinner mindfully. Right. As a matter of fact, I mean, there's a course that I took just recently uh, called the happiness trap. It's all about, about people's view of happiness and what's it, basically it, it's, it's about using acceptance and commitment therapy to, to break away from the idea that you need to be happy all the time. And happy is always positive to the point to, to get you to realize that happiness isn't about that happiness is about, having a, a rich and fulfilling life. That's what it's about. And you use and use acceptance and commitment therapy to help you achieve that. And yeah, one of the exercises was eat dinner mindfully. Sure. And and being the 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 firefighter that I am, I usually eat dinner 
really, really fast. (laughs) One of the curses of right (laughs) being a first responder, right? So it was it was an effort, a real hard effort to slow down, to take your time to to really think about the taste of the food that you just took off the fork. And yeah, so you can you can eat mindfully. You can walk mindfully. So it, 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 it's a mindset and a way of thinking. It's not how you physically sit to do it. Yep, I agree. So not to mention the fact I can't cross my legs anyway. I can get one leg. <laughs> for so, our listeners out there, 60 kilometers is about 37.1 miles. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. so there you go. That's, that's, Which that's is a, yeah. That's a long ride today. That man. is a long ride on a bike. Yeah, it is. I did. Uh, I did uh, in twenty twenty. I did a total of I think it was twelve hundred kilometers on my bike. Wow. So yeah. So, wow. Thirteen, fourteen hundred miles, man. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, to- <laughs> not all at once. Not all at once. That's a lot. No, but still, yeah. Though. For the summer you know so, what if, what part of ontario are you in if you don't mind me? like how far like what's your weather like is it like ours um right now a we've, bit got, snow? we've got you know what we got probably i'm trying to convert now probably about in, in my area i live in ajax which is just east of toronto okay so in ajax we have roughly two inches of snow on the ground okay and it's minus 11 degrees celsius but beautiful blue skies i'm looking at the window yeah <laughs> beautiful blue skies the sun is out so it, it it really depends on whereabouts in ontario you are my daughter lives in st Catharines, okay which is west of toronto near niagara falls okay and, and yeah they got hit with they got dumped on <laughs> last night with lots of snow Right. My son lives in Barrie, north of uh, north of Toronto, okay. like north of uh, Lake Simcoe, and they get hit with snow a lot too. So it it, it varies. But it, it it's put it this way: I mean, I can ride my bike in the bike paths <laughs> in the winter. Yeah, that's right? cool. It, that is awesome so, that they take the community part of it that serious that they keep them snow snow you know they keep snow removal from there. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it, so. it, it, yeah, it, it's 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 a benefit. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's uh, something about Canada. We, you know, we always we always meet new friends, and they turn out to be from up that way. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if pretty, it's everybody's got like cool, a uh, the the big mental health community up that way or what. But uh, yeah, you know what? I there there's. There is a fairly big push for mental health. Like we have a a, a a national organization called CMHA, Canadian Mental Health Association. And for the last two and a half, three months, they've been doing commercials on TV about suicide. Oh wow! And, and their campaign campaign is not today, right? And, and and it's they you know they start off with a couple of stats, you know, and you know, or the one commercial has, uh, you know, an older gentleman sitting around his table, kitchen table, and the camera sort of pans around him. And as the camera's panning around him, 
there's people who are important in his life saying, you know, not today, not today. So yeah, there, there's a, there's a, there's a fairly big push for mental health. Nowhere near where it needs to be. I mean, we have the, the bell less talk day that happens every January, which is good and bad. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's great that we're talking about it on one day, but mental health is a 365 day a year issue. <laughs> yeah. We say that all the time here, man. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And it's interesting the the bell let's talk day, literally two weeks after bell let's talk day this year, they ended up laying off 300 people across the country. And so bell is taking a, a pretty big beating right now over that. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. So imagine. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so we appreciate you so much being on, man. Um, yeah, thanks, well, Rob. I, you know what? I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, like I said, if, if, if us talking about it can make a difference in one person's life, then it's worth it. Absolutely, yeah, man. It, you know, I've always said that. I, I, went, I went public for, I mean, if me going public means one person asked just one question to learn more about mental health, then it was worth it. If it, uh, if it, me going public and talking about it, you know, causes just one person to reflect on their own mental health, then it was worth it. Or if it, if, you know, me going public and talking about it openly and, and, and authentically causes one person who's already battling their own mental health issues to not feel alone, then it's worth it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's awesome, man. That's, that's, I think that's right in line with what we do. You, you know what? I, I remember seeing a quote recently and, and I don't, I don't remember, you know, who the quote is attributed to, but, but it, the quote was when we recover loudly, we still, we keep others from dying quietly. Yep. I like that. That means I think a I just, lot. I think I just put that up on our Instagram not that yeah. long ago. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, that's it, awesome, it's, man. That's what it's about. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. You know, it's, so, it's about taking the, the shit that I've gone through, taking the dark times, taking the, the, the brushes with suicide and making sure that I went through all that for a reason, not just because, you know, so, you know, it's about using your, your, the things that you've experienced to help others. You got the mandate. I mean, right. that's what we call it here. We call it a mandate. I, I, it's a good I mandate. Same way. Yeah, it's absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, man. We finish up the show with like three questions at the end. Yeah. And, you know, one of them is kind of silly, but I like asking it. So Timmy's okay. going to ask you the, Timmy's going to ask you the first question. Though. <laughs> do, do you, do you have a favorite or least favorite word? Favorite or least favorite word? Well, I've got a least favorite word, which is, which I'm sure your listeners are anticipating me saying, stigma. I absolutely fucking hate it. Ah, <laughs> nice. I'll pay for that plug. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and my favorite word? Okay. It, it's my life revolves around mental health right now. So 
resilience. That's my favorite nice. word. Nice. Excellent. Very nice. So All right. there you go. There's a favorite word and a not favorite word. Excellent. I like, I like them, and they're and that that's useful stuff right there. So I'm going to ask you this silly question, and okay. it's not it's not silly to me, and it's not silly to a lot of people because some people take it very seriously. But cat, dog, or other? Dog, right away. Dog. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> yeah. I've got a 95 pound, five and a half year old German Shepherd. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah, Ooh. he's a big boy. He's uh he's working lines German German. He's actually. The father is right from Germany. Wow. Uh, he's working lines. So he's high drive. The, uh, the Ontario Provincial Police, the, the litter that he came from, there was three males in the OPP. The Ontario Provincial Police wanted all three males. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, the breeder who also works for the OPP doesn't agree, is not necessarily aligned with the training philosophies that the OPP uses for their canines. Yeah. So she refused to sell to them. But so yeah, he he's a he is my third German Shepherd, and he is the the best German Shepherd I've had. He is scary, scary intelligent. <laughs> like it, 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 he's he's unbelievable. What's his name? Uh, his, his official name is <laughs> Jakoda von Immerstark. <laughs> wow. J A I apostrophe Coda K O D A Jakoda uh, Von Immerstark is the name of the kennels. Uh, nice. We just call him Coda. That's his call sign, Coda. Nice. Sometimes we call him shithead. Sometimes we call him pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Ab- absolutely love him. And, and and the best part is he is he is become an unofficial therapy dog for me, like an unofficial service dog. Like he seems to really be able to pick up on when I'm, when I'm off. Right. And and he'll do things, he'll come over and he'll just sit in front of me and put his paw up on my leg. And it's like, Oh, okay. You're obviously picking something up that I'm not even aware of yet. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. So it's not a funny question. Super intelligent. Super intelligent. (laughs) Super intelligent animals, man. Super oh, yeah. intelligent. Yeah. Super empathetic too, especially that breed. Yeah. Makes, oh my god. Yeah. Which I think makes them the quality like service dog that they are because they are so yeah. hyper attuned to to yeah. energy and to that stuff, man. He's absolutely incredible. Absolutely love him. So if there was something that you would like to what that you could do or you, that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole, what would it be? If there was no restraints, you could just pick something that you would like to see done. (laughs) I gotta be careful how I word this one. (laughs) Uh, How about this? Looking specifically at first responder organizations, I'd like to have the ability to be able to remove those at the top who are roadblocks to mental health. <laughs> I think that there was we go. a polite way of saying. <laughs> yes. We don't want to get you in trouble or anything. Well, yeah. we, know, we, know, we know that it starts with the culture. Absolutely. It, it starts and leadership. with the culture of any, and leadership. And there's such a lack of leadership these days in so many organizations. Yep. And so many... And, and just in general, just in general, like overall, it seems to be like the disease of the yeah 
the 21st century nowadays or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that that's what if, if I had the, the the superpower, the ability to do whatever I yes. wanted, it would be remove those roadblocks at the top to mental health because that would have an impact on the organizations. That yeah. is one of the best things that would help the, the most number of people. Yeah, I like it. So Fits. there you go. Wow. Thanks. Rob. Thank you, Rob. Rob thank, thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on the show and, and uh, chat about uh, mental health and, it's uh, obviously it's uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We as well it. as ours. Yeah. As well yeah. as ours, man. That's why we're, you know, that's why, that's why we find the connections, man. Hopefully then, now uh, we're, we're one conversation closer, right? Hopefully, like I said, if, if, if our conversation today just makes one person reflect on their own mental health, it's worth it. Absolutely, Absolutely worth it. Well Absolutely. said, Rob, thank you so much for what you do, man. Um, and, and you guys as well. I mean, I mean, it, it's the one thing I'm learning in, in my journey is there's a, a small community of like-minded individuals who are trying to, trying to, to make a difference. And yeah, I'm, I'm just one, one of those people. You guys are, are part of that. that thank you. That community yes. as well. And, and yes, thank I mean, you. if we, we keep doing what we keep doing, Sooner or later, it'll make a difference. Absolutely, man. Yes, sir. So for that, I thank you for the opportunity to come talk to you guys today. And I thank you guys for what you're doing as well. Great. Thank Thank you, you, Rob. Appreciate it. Rob Leatham and everybody, thank you very much for being on, Rob. So until next time, man, uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Uh, Be well. Be safe. Be above. above.